But coming out of Christmas, the, the thing that we just really can't just, just blow through is the, the hope of the first coming of Jesus. And David did such a great job uh, a couple days ago talking about when Jesus, uh, when Jesus came, the miracles of when Jesus came. And this is the season where we remember that Jesus came to earth as a fragile child through a miraculous virgin birth, that he grew up sinless and perfect, that he taught us beautiful and powerful truths. Then he died on the cross as an atonement for every sin that you and I have or will ever commit. Then he rose from the grave, conquered sin and spiritual death, and as if that were not enough, he sent the Holy Spirit, his helper, to come and dwell inside you and I. What an amazing miracle that is. And Dainu, that would have been enough, but he went even further and he sent us a new family, a new, a new group of people to be a part of called the church, the greatest movement in history, this family, the bride of Christ. We, we are a part of a new family. The Bible said we are conveyed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And all of that is an amazing story in Christmas. All of that is the thing that we need to be rejoicing about when it comes to the story of Christmas. But what I want to talk about today is that it doesn't end there. There is a gift yet to be opened. There is a present yet to be opened. And that is that Jesus is coming back. He left, but he's going to be coming back. And he's going to be restoring everything that is broken. The Bible says we're going to be in a, in a new heaven and a new earth, and he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. It's going to be the end of death and sorrow. He's going to conquer sin, and he's going to do it forever. And that is the gift that we have yet to receive. And that is the hope that we need to be anchoring ourselves to this day after Christmas. But I think for a lot of us, we, we're, we're used to this sort of anticipation of things. We know, you know, maybe you're hearing me say that, that Jesus is coming back, and you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I, I get that. You know, that's, that's pretty exciting. But a lot of us, when we're looking at our life here on earth, we are really used to being let down by things. We build up anticipation, and, and we're really excited for something to come, and then it comes, and it goes, and it's like, eh, I don't know, you know. My daughter, Adden, she loves Christmas. She just loves everything about Christmas. And the day after Halloween, she always comes to me. She's like, Daddy, can we start putting up gifts? Can we start putting up all the decorations and all that stuff? I'm like, oh, Adden, you gotta wait. You gotta give me a couple of weeks, you know. And she always convinces my wife to start decorating the inside of the house before we decorate the outside of the house. Um, but as soon as we get around Thanksgiving, it's like we have got to start decorating. And my daughter, she just loves everything about it. She loves buying gifts for people. She loves the anticipation of that. She loves Christmas music. She loves making Christmas cookies. She loves everything about Christmas. And her and I were, were talking last week, and we were just talking a little bit about Christmas. And she said, you know, Daddy, you want to know what my least favorite day in the Christmas season is? I said, what, Adam? You know? She said, Christmas Day. Christmas Day is my least favorite day in the Christmas season. Now, she's not saying she doesn't understand who Jesus is. Our family, we talk about Jesus is the reason for the season. We talk about all of that. We read the Christmas story, uh, not just the night before Christmas, but the actual Christmas story in Luke. Um, we, we talk about Jesus. We talk about the gift of who Jesus is. 
But she said, you know, the, all the anticipation, all the buildup, all of that, and then Christmas Day comes, and she goes, that is the longest I have to wait for Christmas, is Christmas Day. Now I have a full year to wait before Christmas comes. <laughs> and I get it. I get it, you know. I think so many of us do that in life, and, and um, we're used to being let down by anticipation, and... You know, maybe it's, gosh, if I could just get more money in my bank account, you know, if I could just get that job with more money and you go, then I'm going to be totally fine, then I'm going to be happy, and, and then the day kind of comes and goes and you go, eh, eh, I don't know if I'm all that much more happy, you know, if I could just do that addition on the house or I could just buy a house, maybe you're renting and you're like, if I could just buy a house and then your roof goes bad and you go, oh, geez, I wish I was renting again, you know, um, all of these things happen and these days that we're really looking forward to, they come and they go and they let us down. Even big things, marriage, maybe, you know, in your 20s, you're like, gosh, if I could just get married, it's going to solve all my problems, you know? And then you get married, and you realize it's a beautiful, wonderful thing, but all the problems you had before, you bring right into your marriage, and you got to deal with it still, you know? Um, all of these things, all of these big moments, we are so used to being let down. But the thing I want to tell you today is the second coming of Jesus, the gift that is yet to be opened, is that one thing that our hearts are yearning for. You and I were built for eternity. We were built for heaven. And there is a longing in our heart that will never be satisfied in this earth until everything is set right. And we know it. We feel it every day. And the second coming of Jesus is that thing that we can anticipate. And not only will it not let you down, but it will not let you down and it will exceed your expectations for eternity. Forever. Forever everything is going to be set right again. And that is the hope that we have as we're coming out of Christmas. The first coming was unbelievable. It was amazing. In the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies about uh, the Messiah. And a, over 100 of them came true when Jesus walked the earth. A 100 of them came true when it came to the, the virgin birth and the crucifixion and all of these things, all these prophecies about the Messiah that came true. But there are 200 prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled and they will be fulfilled with the second coming of Jesus. And that is the hope that we can anchor ourselves to. But the thing, thing about when, you know, when we talk about the, the return of Christ is there's so many different, I was telling somebody, I'm like, I, I'm having such a hard time with the sermon because there's so many rabbit trails I could go off of, so many different things that I could, I could talk about. Um, but ultimately, the hope that we have in the second coming really is a practical thing too. It, should, it shouldn't just be one of those things where we sit here in church and go, gosh, one day it's going to be so great. There has to be a practical outpouring for us in the here and now. And that's where we're at today. We're going to dive into uh, our, our verses for the day, uh, 2 Thessalonians. Just, just a quick word of warning. I'm going to spit out a lot of, Chris, uh, a lot of Bible verses today. Um, if you want to dive deeper, jump on the website, go back, you know. Um, but there are a lot of things when it comes to the second coming but, but today what we're going to be camping in, the place we're going to be camping in is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, starting in uh, verse 1. And a little background in 2 Thessalonians. Uh, Paul is writing this. This is most likely the earliest letters that Paul wrote. Um, he went on a missionary journey in uh, Acts 17. You could read about it. He went to a, a, a place called Thessalonica. And it said that he was there for three Sabbaths, which is not very long. 
three Sabbaths, you know, I, this is the only way I could look at it. I'm going, well, he was either there for like two weeks. I know this is really weird, but I'm very visual. Either that he was there for two weeks or he was there maybe like four weeks, something in between that time. But in that two to four weeks, Paul planted a church, established leadership, taught them theology, and then left. And I think for all of us who, maybe some of you are down on short-term mission trips, you could do a lot in two to four weeks. Paul started a church, left it, and this is his letter to that church. But First and Second Thessalonians is such a great place for us to dive into because the background of, of what's going on in Thessalonica is this church is freaking out about the end times. There is this thing that's going, that's traveling around, that, that the end times are happening right now and that they're missing it, that the return of Christ is right now and, the, and that they're missing it. There are people that are quitting their jobs because they're going, the, the return of Christ is happening right now, so I'm just like, and I quit my job. And that's later when, when Paul's talking real practically, saying, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, that's where, where that, that phrase comes from. But Paul is trying to te- like te- temper this thing down and say, hey, don't, don't freak out on me. Second Thessalonians chapter two, let's dive in. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter uh, supposed to come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. So again, the church, they're freaking out. They're going, the day of the Lord is coming. We're missing it. We gotta, we gotta band together. We gotta do something crazy. And, and Paul's going, hey, calm down. Take it easy. If the day of the Lord is here, you will know it. It's, it's not gonna miss, you know, you're not gonna miss out on it. He's saying, calm down. But when he says those phrases, there's these, these really loaded phrases that Paul uses. When he said, gathered together in him, He's hearkening back to, to 1 Thessalonians, the, the first letter that he wrote to him in, in 1 Thessalonians 4. He said there's going to be a day with the angels and trumpets and Jesus is going to come back and we're all going to be caught up together in the clouds and meet Jesus. And he says encourage one another with these words. So the gathering together, he's talking about the day that Jesus comes back. And he says do not be alarmed by a prophecy or report or a letter or a chain email, or an Instagram post. Uh, do not be alarmed when you get that, knowing that the day of the Lord is, is gonna be coming, but do, do not let anyone deceive you in any way. That word alarmed is this word in the Greek called throriste, throriste. And it's this word that means deeply disturbed. Like not just I'm kind of bothered, but I'm deeply disturbed. Um, in the ESV, it says, shaken of mind. He said, don't be shaken of mind. Don't lose your senses. Don't be caught up in emotional fervor. Like, set, your, set your mind on something other, uh, something other than all the fear that is in front of you. And that phrase, that word is only used one other time, and it's used in Matthew 24. Let's turn there. This is, this is the other chunk of scripture I want us to read. Uh, Matthew 24. Uh, in this chapter, this is, uh, this is called the Olivet Discourse. This is Jesus. He's on the Mount of Olives. And, um, and in the beginning, the, the disciples are going, when are, when are you going to be coming back? Like, when is this day going to be going? They didn't even think coming back. That was, that was the thing. They were thinking Jesus was going to do something that would set everything right when he came this first time. And they're going, when is this day? How are we going to know that it's there? 
And uh, starting in verse 4, Matthew 24, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Jesus lays out all of these things. He goes, you know, there's going to be famines, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, nation will rise against nation. And he's saying, but do not be alarmed. Do not be shaken of mind. Do not be caught up in emotional fervor because these things have to happen. So do not be caught up in all of that. But I think you and I, we've experienced in 2020 and 2021, and maybe I'm the only one, but... When 2020 happened, I have, this is a little confession of mine, I have prepper tendencies. So I, 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 when somebody's like, hey, I think this crazy thing's gonna happen, I go, yeah, yeah, I've been waiting for that. That's why I got some food in my closet, I got some water, and like, I've been been prepared, you know? This uh, has been a years-long problem for me, so I'm always bouncing between healthy and unhealthy versions of that. But 2020 kicked in, and I was like, here it is. All of you that thought I was an idiot for preparing, here it is. Now I've got food. I'm like ready to go, you know. Um, And many of us got caught up in that. And the problem is, is that we went through that little storm. 2020, it's not a little storm. It's a very big storm. Uh, We went through this big storm. A lot of the, the things that we thought were so stable showed themselves to not be very stable. And we started to become alarmed. We started to get shaken of mind. We started to set aside logic. We started to set aside peace from the Lord to go, I got this email, and they said that this person in the military said that in a couple of weeks, this thing's going to happen, and I believe it, you know? And and again, maybe I'm alone, but this is yo-yo of, oh my gosh, maybe maybe this is the end. And this is exactly, this is why I love 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Paul is going, do not freak out on me. The end of of this age is going to be so clear. You just have to rest. But that emotional fervor, that thing kicks in, and we start making decisions that are not very wise, and we start to panic. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, my, my daughter, May, um, she is, in the per- parental vernacular, she is what I would call a runner. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, if you have multiple kids, you have that one kid that will just disappear on you. And you go, where did they go? <laughs> you know, May would do that to us all the time. And she would just kind of, she would wander off with her friends, and I would watch her. And I'm going, eventually she's going to look back, and she's going to get scared. Never. She would just keep walking. And I'm like, she's going to walk to Tucson if I don't stop her. And so many times, it's like, where's May? Where's May? Where did May go? And I remember a couple years ago, uh, we were doing an evening service, and uh, it's probably one of our fasting services or something. And I was out here, and, and I started to notice I didn't know where May was. And if you don't know, those of us on staff that have little kids, it's always controlled chaos when these like services are going on. We're saying hi to people, we're making sure everything's happening here, but then we're also making sure our kids don't just disappear on us, and so we're always like trying to keep tabs on them. And, and I was running around, I was like, okay, we got Toby, we got Adin, and I'm like, where's Mimi? Where's May? And I'm looking around, you know. And I, I tell myself, Ryan, don't freak out, just calm down. If you could just find her group of friends She's there. So now, you, so now I'm looking for like four or five different kids, and all of a sudden I see her group of friends, and I go, oh, great. I run over there. No May. 
And I go, okay, okay, don't freak out. I run over to Blake. I'm like, have you seen Maymay? And she said, nope, I haven't seen Maymay. And, uh, and so we we're running around, and all of a sudden, panic kicks in. And I start telling strangers, have you seen my daughter? And they're like, we don't know who, what she looks like. And I'm like, she's a little girl. She's like this, this high, you know. And I'm just panicking. All my logic is out the, the door. I'm just freaking out. And um, finally, we find May. She, she, thought we were, she thought we were over in the gym, which means it probably was our fasting night. She probably thought we were still over there. And she was alone in the dark and just crying. And we found her. We're like, oh, May May, you know, and which her name is so short, we have to say it twice, so we always call her Mimi. Um, but we, but we, we panicked. We lost our cool, you know. Um, we really did. And, and I think there's so many times in our life where we get into that. And right now the temptation is with everything that's changing, like Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't be shaken of mind. But he's not saying because everything's going to get better. He's not going, oh, because the world's going to get a lot more peaceful and everything's going to get great. No, no, Jesus is going, guys, things are going to get worse, but don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't be alarmed. Don't, don't be shaken out of your mind. And I know, this is Christmas, and you're like, Ryan, this is a real downer, you know? Um, but this is, this is the task for those of us in the kingdom. Uh, we are not called to anchor our hope into the stability of the world we're not called to anchor our hope in the hope of, of pop culture or Instagram or anything. All of that stuff will let us down. And Jesus is going, it's supposed to let you down. At some point, the stability that we think we need on earth to be happy, when God pulls that, what we're left is with our relationship with him. And we cannot be alarmed. At the same time, in Matthew 24, later on in, in the Olivet Discourse, he has the parable of the ten virgins, which is a parable about being prepared. Um, he has a parable of the talent, talks about the parable of the talents, which is like, hey, spend what you got here on the kingdom while you're here, and when the return of Jesus comes, you could go, Jesus, I gave you everything that I've got, and here is a return for you. So, so, so Jesus is saying, look, don't be alarmed, but don't stick your head in the sand either. Do not stick your head in the sand either. And throughout scripture, it says we have to be prepared for the second coming. We have to be prepared all the time and be anticipating that all the time. So there's an alertness that, we're ha that we have to have. So pay attention to the times. In, uh, in, in Luke 13, Jesus said to, to the people, he said, you know, you look up at the sky and you see the rain and you could, you could tell me when rain is gonna come, you could tell me when the weather's gonna change, but you're not discerning the times. He's saying you have to pay attention to what's going on. Um, so you have to be alert to what's going on. And ultimately, this is what it comes down to. And this is the thing that we have to remember. Here's the tidbit for you this morning. As followers of Jesus, we have to live our life alert, but not alarmed. We have to be alert, but not alarmed. So when we see things that are going on, Jesus, Jesus in Matthew 24 gives us all sorts of things. He said there's gonna be lawlessness that breaks out. Paul says the same thing. There's gonna be lawlessness in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter two, this lawlessness that Jesus says leads to people's love growing cold. There are these, there, there's these signs that we're to, to pay attention to and look at. And we're not to set a date. You know, I would just say this. This is a complete side note. If you were here when um, Jeff Gokey was preaching, he told this story about 88 reasons why Jesus was gonna come back in 1988. And this book that, that, that they were reading as a church in the, in the 1980s, and it was 
they were whipping themselves up going, Jesus is coming back. It's 1988. They counted down, you know, three, two, one. Nothing. <laughs> and then the next year, that same author wrote a book called 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1989. <laughs> that is the, the emotional fervor that God is not calling us to. Jesus said uh, in Luke 12, only the Father knows the time that Jesus is gonna come back. So there's this mystery. We have to have a humility and a, and a mystery when we're looking at the second coming of Jesus. But we're called to live alert, not alarmed. So how do we do this? Really, I see three, three different things for us today, and then, then we'll, we'll move on with our day. But um, first things first, in, in 2 Thessalonians um, Fast forward a little bit in, in chapter two uh, to verse 10. And he's, he, in, in there, he's talking about the, the man of lawlessness, who we call the, the Antichrist, the spirit of lawlessness. He talks about all these things to look out for. And he said that they perished, the people that had fallen away and had started following the Antichrist, they perished because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. In, in, in another translation, it says uh, that they have pleasure in unrighteousness. We are called, in the beginning, he says, to love the truth. They didn't love the truth, so they were easily deceived. We have to love the truth in our life in this next season. We have to build a love for the truth and not deception in this season. And he said that they, they found pleasure in unrighteousness. That word pleasure is the same word that when Jesus was being baptized, the Father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. It's just taking this very godly, beautiful pleasure and placing it on something we should not. And the only way that we can stay away from that is to know the truth. And how do we know the truth? This, right? This, we have to love the word of God. We have to have a love for the word of God, a deep dive into the word of God, a commitment to learning more and more. Things, things like theology and, and, and diving into to what God says in the Bible is not just for pastors, it's for all of us. And if we're gonna be, if we're gonna be protected in this next season, we have to love the truth. We have to love the truth and hunger for it. But that's not enough. That's not enough. We have to love the truth, absolutely. We have to dive into it. But we have to also set our expectations on the long walk with Jesus. A couple of us got together on uh, Christmas Eve night and we were, we were talking and you know, we're talking about worship, we're talking about preaching, we're talking about new things that we see coming in the church and things that were really interesting to us. And, and uh, Nick, who's running sound in the back, he said, you know, really the most impressive thing when it comes to followers of Jesus are people that are faithful to God in the long run. That season after season, they just stay faithful to Jesus. In the dry seasons, in the exciting seasons, in the fun seasons, in the hard seasons, they just stay faithful to Jesus. And when we look at the day of Jesus' return, it should have this fruit of long-suffering in our life. 
I love the way James says this. We just, just got out of a series a few, week, few months back about James, and, uh, and he said this in James chapter five. He said, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. We have to stay patient. That long suffering is so important. So we have to love the truth. We have to stay committed to Jesus in the long run. All of that stuff is so vital for us. But that leaves us with one really, really important thing. You need relationship with Jesus more than anything else. You love the truth, great. You learn about Jesus, that's awesome. You read his words, great. But we've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given this miracle that we can talk to God and hear back from him. In marriage, if you're, if you're like, hey, my marriage strategy is this, I'm gonna learn everything I can about my wife. I'm gonna learn about all the words that she ever said. I'm gonna learn her family history. Like, I'm gonna really dive in and learn everything about her character. It's gonna be so great. But you never talk to her? That's a terrible marriage strategy. She's sitting right next to you and you go, I'm just learning all I can about my wife, but I'm not gonna talk to her, you know. You're missing out because it's relationship that's so important in marriage. And it's relationship that's so important in following Jesus. We can learn all about him. But unless we have that fresh revelation, unless we're reading the Bible with the fire of the Holy Spirit in us, giving us revelation about it, we're missing a lot. Next week, actually, we're gonna be having a prophetic Sunday. We're gonna talk a lot about uh, prophecy and, and the biblical way that we approach prophecy. But it's vital in having a relationship with Jesus. And maybe coming out of 2021, you're going, I don't know how I made it. Maybe you're coming out of 2021 going, I don't know if I can make it in 2022. Maybe all the weight of what's been going on in the last couple of years in our world is weighing you down to the point where you're going, I don't know if I can make it. I had conversations a lot, being, a, being in a church, I, I got a lot of calls from people that are going, coming out of Christmas, I just, I'm so depressed, I'm so full of anxiety, I just don't know if I, can, if I can keep going on. And until you have relationship with Jesus, that is gonna keep weighing you down. And until you anchor your hope into something far more stable than geopolitical stability, you guys, that's never gonna be stable, I hate to tell you. There's no politician that's gonna make our world better. There is no big thing that's gonna make us safer or stronger. Like, stop looking at anything other than Jesus to accomplish that. And when you have relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, something beautiful happens. And this morning as I was praying for us, I just felt like the Lord is saying, maybe there's some of you in this room who have not anchored your hope in Jesus. Maybe you've come to church and you know things about Jesus, but you don't have that relationship with Jesus. Maybe some of you have never had a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't read the Bible. Maybe your, your spouse coerced you to coming to church today. Great, fine. <laughs> However you found yourself here, Jesus has purpose for you this morning. Maybe you're watching online and you're going, I don't know why I stumbled onto this. Jesus has purpose for you this morning. Let's all bow our heads.
all bow our heads. Just as a posture of prayer, relying on Jesus. Maybe right now you are feeling that. Maybe you're feeling that burn in your heart. Maybe you're feeling that Jesus is leading you into relationship with him. Maybe you're feeling all the instability of the world and it's weighing you down to the point where you wanna give up. And right now, I just wanna tell you that Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. You just have to let him in. Just have to let him in. The beauty of following Jesus is not what we do to, to make ourselves better and to approach Jesus and earn some sort of standing with him. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus came down to us when we were hopeless and lost and in darkness. He came to us and he bridged that gap between God and man. And maybe today you're feeling like, I do not have that bridge. I have to tell you, it's so simple. It just starts with a prayer. It starts with connecting your life to Jesus. And if that's you right now, just pray this prayer with me. You could just pray it in your head, but just repeat after me in your head as I, as I pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm at the end of my rope. Jesus, I have no hope and I need you. Jesus, right now, I confess my sin. I confess that I have not been living right. And Jesus, right now, I say yes to you. I confess that you came to earth. You lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross for me. Thank you. And Jesus, you rose again to conquer sin and death in my life, to restore hope. And right now I receive that free gift in Jesus' name. Jesus, help me to follow you all the days of my life. Just right now, in this room, just everyone's got their eyes closed. It's just you and the Lord, but there's something really beautiful about making a declaration that you chose to follow Jesus. And if that's you, just maybe slip your hand up real quick. If that's you, if you just gave your life to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we have hope. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you have good plans for us, that you have a future for us, that you're coming back one day, Father. We worship you. We thank you this morning for people who gave their life to you, Jesus, that are following, choosing to follow you. What an amazing thing. And Jesus, right now, we worship you. We celebrate you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen.